A guard of honour and applause for their teammate as Yao Yi prepared to deliver the news, which was perhaps inevitable. I just think that I knew that in my head after I'd done everything that I just wasn't going to cut it to, to go on the field and I couldn't have done it to, to my teammates. The 24-year-old's decision ends a career which promised so much. Welcome back to We Are Human. I am Sam Thida, your host. And today's special guest is someone special to me, actually. A good mate of mine. Give you a little bit of context. I played a bit of football with uh, Dural Yao Yi for the Brisbane Broncos. And away go Brisbane again. Yao Yi tries three steps. He's got over the top of Wesser. He's beat champion. Yao Yi is taken by Merritt. I'm going to give you some, some stats Ooh. on Dural Yao Yi just to kind of paint good. a picture on how... How good he was as a... Is this a, about my life stats or nah, is this... No, no, this isn't your... This is not your life. <laughs> uh, but these are just some stats. Jarrell, yeah, he played for the Brisbane Broncos from uh, 2009 to 2012. He hung around for a little bit longer mm-hmm. after that. In uh, 2011, he played uh, three games for Queensland, scored two tries. Also, uh, at the end of the year in 2011, he played three games for Australia, scoring three tries. Best um, ever. Also represented the Indigenous All-Stars in 2010, 2011, and 2012. Yes, I did. Jarrell Yaoyi, welcome. This is my life. Yes. <laughs> no, thanks, Sammy. Um, you know, when you sometimes you take, you get time to reflect on, well, not as much as you'd like to on, on you know, the things that you do in your, in your footy career. And, you know, I feel really humbled to be able to, you know, be able to do any of those things. Yeah. Um, just to... Just a kid from from nowhere, um, yeah, and to be able to, you know, do any of those things that you just spoke about there and rattle off those stats, um, to be even be able to be put in the same sentence as some, you know, greats as well is, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, we were a part of a team with a lot of great players, and I'm going to pump your tyres a little bit more here as well. So I was very lucky and fortunate to play uh, for roughly 16 years in <sighs> in the professional arena playing Jeez. over 350 professional games could have gone to 20 i reckon 300 yeah i could have gone to 20 actually <laughs> 304 306 300 plus you made, the you made the 300 club yeah and this is one. this is where i am going to pump your tires a bit i played 300 plus games for the brisbane broncos and i scored 40 tries you played for four years and scored 33. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was my Am job. Am I bad or are you good? <laughs> no, I think that that's obviously you do all the hard work. Cliche, but uh, the forwards do all the hard work. And, you know, I was just made to look pretty. Um, yeah. And it's obviously not aged well with me because I'm not as pretty as I used to be. But, you know, meat pies were something I like to do on and off the field. <laughs> meat pies, bit of rhyme and slang there for tries. Love it. Um, Mate, we were a part of a fantastic uh, wow, group. We, we had some what? probably some future immortals playing in there, some some Hall of Famers, some superstars playing in mm. those teams. Look, like I said before, it was really humbling to even be, you know, thought in the same uh, breath as, as some of you guys. I mean, I grew up watching a lot of, especially Lockie, I think, you know, when I, with anyone stands out. I mean, I never thought I'd get to play with him, even if I was going to play NRL. I thought he would have been, you know, too old by the time I had debuted. And I didn't expect me to debut at 19 either. So, you know, I'm thinking if I was ever going to get an opportunity to play NRL, it would have been, you know, early 20s, 22, 23. And D-Lock was, or Daryl, we like to call him, was uh, was already gone by then. So, um, yeah, that right edge. We were pretty, we were pretty brutal. Yeah. Uh, with myself, Hodjo, you, or Lockie, you. That was our Australian side, Queensland side as well, so yeah, we're, we're pretty blessed. Lockdown, he's going to kick, he's going to send the Adelaide through, that's a bounce, Adelaide! 
I was like the bodyguard. Yep. Um, yeah. Ice hockey. You know in ice hockey when you have the enforcer? Yeah. That's you. But I, I still have all my teeth, which is a good thing. <laughs> I was like the bodyguard and then you had... Lockie was like the god, the superstar. Well, he was a quarterback. He was a quarterback. Yeah, he was yep. the quarterback. Yeah. I had to protect him. And then you had Justin Hodges, who was the freak. Well, he, Hodge, Hodge wasn't just a freak. He was the heckler. We never really watched him fight too much on the field, but he sounded like he could fight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He so, talked his way out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because we've seen him in the boxing ring. He can't fight. <laughs> oh, I love you, brother. Oh, <laughs> hopefully. Well, he listens to this. He actually Yeah, he does. He subscribes, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, Drell, I want to take you right back, actually, though. Um, before your footy career, mm-hmm. uh, I want to talk about your childhood and what your childhood was like growing up born in Emu Park. A lot of people don't know where that is. It's well, I wasn't born in Emu Park. I was born in Brisbane, grew up in Emu Park. Yeah. Um, my mum still goes to me, you got to tell people that you're not born there because there's no hospital there, Drell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, fair enough, mum. So, yeah, we were in Brisbane at, Brisbane at the time when I decided to... Um, enter the world. Enter the world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, had a lot of good memories in the park and got still got a lot of family up there. And that's my grandfather's side of my family so my South Sea yep. island of my family um, so Vanuatu descent is my, my, grand, my grandfather's side and where we're from is Tanner Island big um, uh, males from Tanner Island as well so big Malmeninga Australian, Australian coach and uh, origin assistant at the moment absolute superstar player back in his day yeah so yeah we've got a pretty good pedigree all the people from my that side of my family are all boxers, actually. Yeah. Um, probably not professionals. <laughs> yeah. But I would say they're fighters. You're more of a hip hop dancer than a, than a fighter. Crumper. Crumper. Um, <laughs> now I just eat crumpets. Yeah. Family dynamic was a bit different too. So you know, you had your nan and pop around a fair bit uh, as a mm. kid, and they they helped your mother out because yeah, she's a yeah. single mother. Yeah, I'm single mum. Never knew my father, and I think, you know, when you grow up in an indigenous family Sam you probably so they say it uh, it takes a village to raise a child yeah. and I think that's the perfect way to explain you know how my family um, dynamic was uh, you know I was always at my grandparents house back and forth and with me and my brother my brother's six years younger than me so it was a pretty big gap there but um, you know we're very very close and it wasn't only just us you know I've got cousins who you know, still live with my um, grandfather now because yeah. my, you know, late great grandmother has passed away last year. She's a matriarch, so she just she helped ever bring everyone up. So, yeah, very different, but normal, I suppose, when you think about it from my point of view. Um, it was it's, very. It's normal for you because that's all you knew. That's all I knew, yeah. and I think sometimes when I used to go to friends' house and see, you know, those perfect families, the um, mum and dad dynamic, yeah, and mom, the two mom. kids, and the, they had a dog, and yeah. I, you know, sometimes I would think about that like. But I'd never be asked my mum. I just think I just never just never thought about it. I just thought, you know, that's the way we have it and that's just the way other people have it. For myself, you know, having fun and, and, and joking around is probably a, uh, probably a little bit of a way to... Coping mechanism. Yeah, coping mechanism. Yep. And that's, uh, that's just... That's how I've always been, I think. Absolute mirror over here. So, you know... It's yeah, the exactly. Humor, the humour is the... It's the deflection. It's the, yeah. it's the shield that you put up to... You know, try to brush things away that you may not want to talk about mm, or mm. even go that deep. But have you sat down and had that conversation with your mum about... This is a um, probably a different part of the story that no one's really heard before. And, you know, um, I don't really... I haven't really given it to anyone, but I feel very comfortable sitting here talking to you about it. Yeah. Um, so earlier in my life, I did have a father. Yeah. Um, and I, for a long, long time... Um, you know, I, I knew that this man was my, my dad. 
I had grandparents um, who lived down the road from me. Um, and, yeah, it's really weird to talk about this because I think it was like one Christmas, Mum was saying, you know, you, you, your father or the man it doesn't think, you know, you're his child. Now, if you'd met this man, you'd know that it probably was because I had a lot of his features. One of them was curly hair. We just looked very similar. Yeah. Um, and what happened one year was he he had a partner. Obviously, he had a new partner, yeah. um, and he was like, you know, I want to I want to get a test. And Mum was like, Yep, that's fine. Now at the time, um, there was no blood tests. It yeah. was just all swabs of the mouth. A lot of people were they were failing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people were like, well, that's not correct. After a few times, um, and then you did a blood test and blah, blah, blah. But after the first time I, I'd got it, um, it came back negative. And my mum was like, well, look, I, you know, I was, I've been, I was with no one else, so yeah. let's do the blood test or whatever. But he refused to. So he took that first opportunity to get the, get the hell out. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, when my mum told me and she was... <clears throat> this was around Christmas, so, you know, it's supposed to be a happy time. Yeah, It's supposed definitely. to be a really happy time. And um, when she told me that, I think that's probably started, you know, the guard up for, for me. Um, when I was like, you know, I'm not going to let anyone get close to my family because um, look what they're doing. So she just said, you know, does this matter? And I said, no, nah, no way it matters. I mean, you've... I don't see... The, I've never seen this man a lot, so... Yeah. I didn't see him much. The only people that I did see a lot were my grandparents. Yeah. At the time that, you know, I thought were my grandparents. So um, I just said to mum, look, I don't need another father. You, you, you're everything for us, for, him, for me and Keenan. You know, it's without you, we wouldn't be anywhere, you know. So, um, you know, there's that part. I've never spoken to that man ever again. I've never seen him again. Don't know where he is. Um, but the big one was, you know, was my, my other grandparents that just you know, adored me and, you know, I was just a kid, so I just shut them out. I didn't know what to do. My first instinct was like, no, nah, that's it with them. Stuff that, you. Yeah, yeah, that's it yeah. with those people. I'm, I'm done. For a long time, I didn't talk to those people and I knew where they lived. They lived literally not far from us. But, you know, it, it was only like probably a year and a half ago that my nan was talked to me before she passed away. Yeah. And she would talk to me that she would go and talk to you know, my other grandmother all the time at the shops. Yeah. It made me feel r really good because, um, you know, they spoke about me a lot and she she said how much they missed me and, you know, would would love me to ever get an opportunity to come around. And um, I think it was only, you know, a time to know that Nan was on her deathbed to be like, you know, I, I've been holding this, I didn't want to tell you because I know you've been really torn. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to go see uh, my one of my grandparents and, he, and they passed away. So... I just didn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. Um, yeah. And what I would say. So, and I think, Sammy, I think uh, you know, a lot of that hurts, uh, I think, when you're young because, well, not just young, but now because, you know, it's a little bit like the Will Smith episode. You know, his dad comes back and, but then leaves again. You know, I, I, I really, I really resonate with that a lot because, you know, it really annoys me to go, you know, why, what have I done to yeah. him not to want me? I believe and I think that I've grown up to be a great man um, and to still to this day to, you know, not that I would care if he reached out, but, you know, just to even know to him to reach out and go, you know, I want to get to know you. That would make me feel at least something, but I've got a son on the way now. Yeah, that's what I was going to And it's just like, you know, I'd never, 
I'd never do that. I'd never do that to my... Do you think that's going to uh, shape you and mould you as a father now going forward? Oh, most definitely. Look, I, I watch... My little brother's six younger than me, but he, he's he's just had his first little little girl, Arlo, and, um, man, he was shitting himself. <laughs> like, yeah. he was so nervous. And you would know you're a father as well. As soon as, um, you know, she came along, it just changed him so much. And I do think, you know, having these uh, moments in my life these tough moments that, that have happened in my life, it's definitely going to mould me as a father. I, I, I definitely know I'm going to be a great one. And if you ask any of my close friends, I've been wanting a kid for so long, man. I've, I've just really wanted that um, father-son or father-daughter, that that father figure. So I, in a way, probably can prove that, you know, I can do it better. You reckon that's probably giving you that cutthroat mentality if someone... Because I, I know you and I've had a lot of conversation with you, but... If someone does you wrong, you, you're pretty quick to cut them off straight away. Aren't yeah, you? definitely. I think when when you think about that, it's it comes back to being competitiveness. You know, it can be competitive, yeah, as well in 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 sports, and that's both of our background. But I think having taken no shortcut as well is is being really a big part of you know my life when I was playing sports. But yeah, man, I. I just don't have time for people who don't have time for myself and my family. Have you ever um, ever just thought about uh, even just something as simple as writing him a letter? Um, no, I haven't, I haven't actually. But it, it, you know, it might it might help. Um, I, I haven't even, to be honest, I don't I don't think about that man too much, or I don't think about the man who who left us too much. Um, because, like I said, I, I go back to that family dynamic that we had, and you know, my grandfather was a hard-working man, and he taught me everything I needed to know. And yeah. I look at a lot of my other family who don't have fathers who left them, and you know how good they've turned out. And I, I suppose it's a it's a dynamic that's very weird. But I, I did see a study on you know kids who you know don't have. Um, the father figure in their life do go pear-shaped pretty pretty quickly in their life. So, I, you know, I count myself to be one of the lucky ones, definitely. But it doesn't not come with, you know, my mum having a lot of authority and, and making sure that we were good men because, um, you know, the men that left us were obviously the men that she didn't want us to be. So, yeah, yeah she, 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 she moulded us pretty well. My grandmother, like I said, was... Was, has been a massive part of our family. She's we lost, a matriarch of yeah, the family. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was. We all lost her last year. My grandfather and my nan were in, inseparable. Uh, they did everything together. My yeah. pop, you know. It's kind of cute, actually. Yeah, it is. Even to the point I remember <laughs> that um, your nan and pop used to come to every game that yeah. you played, and they yeah. never missed a game, except for the one over in the wild, wild west, in Western Australia. Oh, we'll, yes. We'll come back to that later. Yeah, but we probably don't have to talk about that right now. Yeah. Right now. But, yeah, but yeah, no, correct. Um, when I made my debut for 20s, they followed me everywhere. Yeah. And then my first two years of first grade, they followed me everywhere. And then, yeah, it just got to, unfortunately, got to that point where Nan was getting a bit old and she, yeah. she couldn't travel as much. I mean, it's very upsetting. Um, you know, you don't want to lose anyone. Yeah. But, Sammy, I sat in that hospital so much with her and, talked about yeah talked about death and it was questions that I asked are you scared and she said no um you know what and that that really baffles me because yeah you know I think about death and it it scares me right now but you know I was talking to her she goes you just get to an age trial where you just yeah 
you got a chance to talk to her about life too. Yeah, and that's the other brilliant. Yeah. And, and life in general. So any everything we we spoke about and she gave me all her recipes before she left and I videoed her and <laughs> took them all. Still yeah. can't do them right, but um, <laughs> we're trying our best, old girl. Well, we'll get into you know talking about your your footy career again and definitely uh, a lot of ups and downs as a kid. You know, mm. with your family dynamic and what was going on at home, is that why you enjoyed and loved being in that footy environment oh, so man. much? Because it was another family, man. Because um, you're, you're like, to be honest, you're like one of those boy boys. Like yeah. you just love the lads. Yeah. Like if someone would message you, I'd be drop there. of a hat, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And look, I'd. I get goosebumps saying when you said that, Sammy, because, um, you know, without all of you, so, you know, sometimes going home was, you know, not not enjoyable. But not just older, but when you're younger too, you know, footy wasn't out for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of fighting in my family when I was younger. So my expression of how I'm talking right now can't express of how much I loved just playing footy with, with, with everyone and how much I loved going to training. Hated fitness, but loved yeah. loved training just because the boys were there. And man, I'd give anything to to be able to do that again, you know. And I think that's why, um, you know, still now I I still live and breathe being around the boys. And um, that's probably the biggest thing when people leave the game is you you leave that part of your life. But man, I I enjoyed every moment um, in camps, uh, you know, whether it's at training. Um, and I, I, I just created so many good bonds, yeah. close bonds. There was no one I hated, man. I just was just like, do you want to do something? Let's go do something. Yeah, we were all different, but yeah, yeah. we found a way of getting on. Do you remember the conversation with me early on, first preseason, and uh, you thought you'd never play first grade at the Brisbane Broncos? Where were, where were we? Was this at Paddo? Yes, at the Paddo. It's uh, <laughs> Alan Langer, another yeah, club look, legend, was, was India. I cried that day because I was so passionate about Wanting to play. Yeah, but someone, you know, breaking my dreams and saying that I wasn't going to do it. Once I got a taste of first grade and even got training with you, I was like, man, I ain't going to stop here. Like, this is... I mean... Yeah, I knew I knew if I just got a taste. I didn't know what was gonna I was going to expect after the 20s. wasn't sure if I was going to get a contract. But once I did, you just go, you just do it. You're trying to get a Nike sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> you just do it. I love Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, you, you get into grade, uh, you're playing some great footy. Mm. You're two years into a career and then you're, you're, you're playing representative footy. Yeah, man. How I, bad was that? I, I couldn't even explain it. I don't know. It happened so fast, Sam. I mean, 2009, I, I debut for the club. 2010, I'm 18th man with Queensland. And I'm like, honestly, that feeling of even being wanted by the Maroons was was something else, man. Um because and, and the Queensland Maroons at that point in time were really peaking. Man, like, that's were, what I mean. They, like, were, they were three years into a, uh, it. Was harder to get in. Legacy, yeah. It was harder to get out of it than it was to get in. Like yeah. I, you know, so when I got called into that camp in 2010, and actually the year before I just played all, all stars at the start of the year, yeah. and the voting for that, I was a rookie and I was like in the top ten for that, and I was like, man, I can't even believe this. But, you know, once you get a taste of something, like I said, you just you just want more. Hit one side, out the other. Draw to defence. Gets it away to Yagi. Yagi is fast and they give up in turn. Dummy from Hodges now. Yagi down the short side. Ball alive. He may have scored. Crossing over the head of Falau. It's found Yagi. 
I love the lifestyle, man. I mean, when I hear about boys whinging at training now, they're oh, I don't want to be here. I'm like, man, I'd do anything to be able to just come to training every single day and yeah. train and then go home and play PlayStation. Because <laughs> essentially, if if you hadn't gone through what you'd gone through, this could have been your your last season. Yeah, I, well, I'm playing, 31. Yeah. I would have been yeah. 30. Well, I hope I wouldn't be finished yet. Flying through those early years of your mm. career, absolutely having a ball. Do you sign a new contract in 2012? Is that is yeah, that man? I, I signed two weeks before the incident. I tried to hold out a bit longer because I was trying to get a little bit more. But then I thought to myself, "Don't be greedy, Drell. Just take what you get." I'm 21. Like you're living a dream already. Like you're gonna probably gonna get a little bit more you know, later, later down the track. Yeah. So you know, I'm playing Origin, so that's what 30k. So. Yeah. I wasn't going anywhere, so I was like, yeah, two weeks before the incident, yeah. We'll get to the incident now. Um, round four, 2012, we play South Sydney over in Perth. Why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you say why now. Yeah. This is what we try to tell. You know, we go into schools and talk to kids and go to our elite programs and talk to uh, young aspiring rugby league players and we, we talk to them about... You know, it's one run, it's one tackle. Mm. It's in your case, it was one jump. You you jumped up to yeah. There was no need for me to bloody catch that ball. Here's a fifth tackle kick from Wallace. They're going to go high, beautifully taken by the wing three quarter. Dylan Farrell moved the wing to accommodate Greg Inglis at fullback, and he's been injured. And there is some concern for both a Brisbane player and a South Sydney player. There's been a collision there. Yep. I genuinely thought I could have scored this try. Um, came down very awkwardly on my on my leg, obviously, and uh, at the time didn't really think. I looked at my leg. Unfortunately, we had yellow socks on that night, so uh, it was a compound fracture, which means it's gone through the skin. And first thing I saw was the blood. And um, Sammy Thiday was there. Greg Inglis was on the other side. Uh, a good mate, obviously, I'd played footy with the year before in Origin. And like in hindsight, there was probably no need for me to even compete for that ball, but. That's just the type of you person did. I was. Mm. Um, never say die. Uh, I still remember hook in the back of my brain. We did go through a lot of footage, and I remember put Dylan Fowler under pressure, he'll drop the ball. Yeah. I did an exact same one in Melbourne with Billy Slater. Yeah. He didn't catch it, but we both went like this, and we both my legs went underneath. Yeah. And I look back at that footage, and I go, man, I could have done that there. Yeah. But it was just the fact that Dylan Farrell was just that bit heavier and he came down on my body and then me being 100 kilos as well it's 200 kilos on my ankle so it was an ideal uh, situation but sometimes things just happen and that's just the way my script was written I've got nothing against it I just you know if I could do it again I'd probably do the same thing yeah so a compound fracture it. of the right ankle mm-hmm. dislocated Ripped and teared everything yeah. else in there There's as well. All my ligaments. Chipped the toenail. Yep. Yeah, everything. I did, I did chip a toenail, actually. Yeah. But um, I can remember being there on the field. Yeah. As soon as I looked at the ankle, I knew it was bad. Yeah. I didn't know to the extent how bad it was. I looked at it first, and I seen that it was dangling, so I went down. But then I... I don't know why. You went back for a second. Yeah. Yeah, that's my drama That's, that's right my now. drama now yeah. as well. No, but I remember you comforting me, and then... Hodge going, I was like, I need to look, I need to look, I need to look, I need to look again. And he's like, nah, bro, you don't, you do not want to look. Yeah. And I just looked at the wrong time. 
I could see my ankle was the other way, which didn't bother me. Yeah. But it, then I seen all this blood, blood. come out. And um, that's when I knew I was like, I went all tingly and I just would lay back down. And I was like, oh, okay, this is... Yeah. I still didn't know the, you know, how bad it was going to be. Yeah. I just thought, rehab, yeah, play again next year. Yeah, that was my mentality. Um, but then obviously, complication on complication, um, yeah. just made it the way that it was. So absolute superstar in the making. It's taken you penthouse to the shit house, you could say. Yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> it took you two years to play some of the best football. Uh, that every kid aspires to, to mm. play in. You sign a new contract, you think you're flying, you think your life is set, and then snap, bang, bang boom. Um, first complication, like it starts straight away, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I already had 10 operations in Perth, like clean outs. So that was Friday night. I don't remember too much, to be honest. Like, what I do remember is going to the hospital and them giving me this oxycodone which absolutely rocked me, but it made me feel a lot better because I, I was getting a lot of morphine, but I couldn't, so I could still feel the pain. Yeah. That's how bad it was. And if anyone wants to know what the pain felt, it, it honestly felt like, you know when you cut yourself and then someone pours water on it? Yeah. It was that pain, but non-stop. I was going to pass out, man. I was like, I can't. You need to give me more drugs. And then I did that. I remember Dane, gay guy, being with me. And I remember saying to him, I do remember saying this, please don't leave me. Like, you're not going to leave me, eh? And he goes, no, I'll stay, bro. And that's when I woke up Sunday. I remember going in and out. Like, I remember being so drugged up, man. Like, just remember waking up and seeing blurs. Like, it was like a movie. Yeah. Seeing blurs in and the uh, And I remember waking up Saturday night. I remember the doc and Gigi standing in the room. And I was just like... The team manager and the yeah. team doctor. Yeah. And I was just like, what's going on? going on and they're like oh how are you um i just remember sunday it was just like look we either need to get you out of here or you know you're gonna be here for a while and then on monday the doctor opened the cut and he was just like opened the wound it was like holy sh- we have a pretty big problem you've got gangrene your skin's dead um your foot's dying if we don't do something now you're gonna lose your foot and i just went what there was a lot of boys in the room actually when that happened yeah and the doctor was like he's all need to get out and I was like oh okay so that was really full on to hear that yeah into operation and I think it was supposed to take about four hours ended up taking like eight or nine and that's where the flap became the skin graft which I wouldn't wish it upon anybody I can't do anything man like you can't because it's not part of my where it's supposed to be in my skin on my ankle. I, I can't, I can't do anything. I've got to wear this ankle brace for the rest of my life. Yeah, it, it's pretty restricting. Um, not only just for cosmetically, but it's really. Oh, it's you, a, you lived an active life, and now you yeah, can't be as active as, as you'd like. Can't to be. do that. Yeah. Um, but also, it's self confidence for me. Um, well, I, I never had a problem with that, but it's just. Yeah, you know, I don't just tell everyone you got a gangster walk. Just you know, gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, people still ask me. I say, oh, it still hurts. Yeah, it fucking still hurts, man. Yes. Yeah. You know, if I showed the world, you know, what is really wrong with me, people would be like horrified. I reckon. Yeah. I just don't think people understand the severity. I, I'd possibly say that I'm disabled in, well, in some capacity. Early on, they were they were comparing what happened to your mm. leg to what happens in a lot of people's car accidents. So yeah. when you run into the back of someone or run into something hard yep. and essentially 
your two bones in your leg go through. Yep. So you pretty much had a, a car accident. And, you know, people mm. don't bounce back from, from car accidents. No. But how many operations in total? Oh, man. To be honest... Um, can't count. I can't count, but I knew it was bad when I went to the hospital and the lady was looking for my file and she was looking for a 23-year-old's file, but she found a 60-year-old man's file. And she went, this is not yours. And I was like, well, does it say my name on it? Yeah. And she's like, mate, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. And I've worked here for 15 years. So mentally it gets to you as well. Well, talking about that too, you went through your own demons with, Ooh, with that. Yeah. With, you know, painkillers as well. Yeah, painkillers were a really good friend of mine for a very, very long time. But they're not a great friend, are they? No. Hell no. Um, I couldn't get out of it, man. That was a... <clears throat> That was the thing, it was, it got bad, it got really bad, um, you know, and what I'm about to say is, I do not, do not do this, nobody do this, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a really serious thing, but, um, I was mixing endones with codeine, with, you know, sleeping pills, um, yeah. and I think the biggest night, which is I a dangerous like, concoction in oh, itself, man. like, you can go to sleep and not wake up. Yeah, and I think the biggest one I did, um, which I'm not proud of, but I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm ve- definitely not proud of. But you know, any doctors that probably listen to this are probably going to, you know, pull their hair out hearing this. But a lot of my time was, you know, to overcome things was take those prescription drugs and go out and drink. Yeah. Um, and I think I got away with it a lot because I, don't, I think people just still seen that I was so happy. Yeah. So there was no one asking me questions. So this one night I went to an establishment, I won't say the name, and I took about six endones and I got absolutely blind. So, and I don't remember too much of that night, um, but I do remember waking up with all those gone and thinking, I didn't take all those last night, did I? But I did and I got absolutely blind. So I don't know how I survived that. I think it might have got worse from there. Because what happened with my ankle... You know, that sort of got better and I started playing a bit of footy again, but I was still taking prescription drugs. Yeah. I think when it got bad again was... So I just had a, ended a relationship and that's when I hit rock bottom because I'd sort of just... Gone through a breakup, something yeah. that's really traumatic. Yeah. You're going through something traumatic already. Yeah. Your so body's my ankle, failing you. Yeah, my body's failing me, my relationship. Telling myself I've got to retire... So 14, I retired. Yeah. I think that's when I turned really bad because I was taking more prescription drugs. Yeah, it got it got bad, man. Uh, I was I was taking oxycodone, like slow release oxycodone, which which what that means it lasts longer. Where if you get the shorter ones, it'll give you a little bit of a hit and you could go to sleep or something. But if you last, if you stay up long enough to fight, you know the urge, it gives you this other euphoria. Yeah. I suppose, and then once you get through past that, you can take another one to feel that more. And yeah, it was it was bad. But the the time I knew I was bad when I was sleeping on my couch, my brother knew something was wrong because I hadn't really left the couch for probably a week. Yeah, that's when I knew uh, that it got worse because I almost almost something else happened. Yeah. Yeah, she so didn't care at that point in time. No, nothing. Didn't um, care if you lived, died. I was not picking up anyone's phone calls. 
So mum was calling me, my grandmother was calling me, people were calling me, and I just didn't care about anyone. Yeah. If it wasn't this day, this this is the day that I almost you know killed myself. I reckon. Well, not reckon. I almost did. Um, because this thing called depression is not a fucking. You can't stuff around with it, man. You're not yourself, um, and I know firsthand because you know I've, I've been here. But the day that I, I thought so hard about killing myself. Yeah. That if it wasn't for, I reckon if it wasn't for my neighbour to pick up, if she didn't pick up her phone, that was probably going to be it. I was on the ground and I was just crying and I was just like, I can't do this shit anymore. I've just gone through this, being up really high and then being really low and then, you know, having a relationship that just, you know, thinking someone doesn't, you know, I'm not loved again, so... Takes you back to your childhood. Exactly. Yeah, so really it's, old there's a lot of There's a lot of yeah. things that come into it, and, yeah, that day, I'm so lucky that my neighbour came when I called her. Um, and she called a, um, a pastor from Ashgrove. Um, he's a good man, and he came over and just helped me, you know, what do you want to do? You know, talk to me about what do I want to do in my life. And to be honest, I didn't have a clue, man. I just knew I had to get out of that rut Yeah. before I did something stupid. And I was scared to be alone because I was like, fuck, am I going to do something stupid here? Um, am I going to do... And I probably wasn't going to do it with physical, but it was going to be the drugs. I was yeah. going to take too much. and Because I, I thought at one stage, I was like, let's just... If I just take all these, I'll just fall asleep and I'll just... It'll be that easy. So, yeah, man, it was... It's not something to to mess with depression, man. It's, it's a serious thing. Um, how are you at the moment? Yeah, I'm a lot different. Um, I'm a lot better. I have a beautiful wife. I've got a little boy on the way. I've got a great family. I've got great mates around me. And I think the biggest thing that changed me is communication with people. You know, being open and transparent with people. And yeah. Not just letting those things sink in. And look, I don't have, I don't talk to my wife about everything all the time, and she's fine with that. Because sometimes I just need to talk to someone else. I think that moment where I thought I was going to do myself, I was the breadwinner. You know, I was the person who was the, the man in the house. You know, I helped my family, so I didn't want anyone to see me like that. Yeah. And I think that's the other reason why I was like, I can't let them see me like this. Thought so you're failing everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, Sammy, someone's so happy. They're the people you got to worry about the most, I think. Um, for someone who can be so happy um, and to, to think so dark. Yeah, now, man, I'm such a different person, yeah. honestly, completely different. I'm very spiritual, I'd say, now. I, I understand people's pain about stuff and... I love life. I just enjoy life so much. You're full of gratitude now and uh, empathy for others. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. What's happening in, in Daryl's life now? You, you, you know, you've kind of, you're up at the peak and mm. you know, your life is going great and, and you go through these demons. Yeah. What are you up to now? The last 10 years have been a journey, man. Yeah. And the last 10 years have really made me the man who I am now. I've got a lot to learn, don't get me wrong. I've got still got a lot more to learn. But I'm excited to see what life brings. If I'm going to be really honest with you, I still feel a little bit lost not being at the Broncos right now. Like, I was there since I was 17 years old, Sammy, so... It has been such a big part of your life. Rugby league has mm. been a chunk of your life, yeah. but 
you know, and I'm finding this myself is, you know, trying to find my own routine yep. and yep. Uh, my own things in life to not necessarily fill that void. I'm grateful for what happened there, yeah, uh, as you would be as well. Mm. But um, yeah, I needed to, uh, on a personal level, uh, realize that rugby league didn't define me as a person. No. And all I can do now is be the best version of Sam Thiner that I can be. Yeah. And by listening to your story and, and knowing you well enough, I know that you are being the best Gerald Yeah, you can. Yeah, 100. Right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited for what's ahead. There's a piece of me that's missing right now, and that is the Broncos. Yeah. I love the place. You know, it gave me my break in my life. Yeah. I'm in radio at the moment at 98.9 FM. Love it so much, man. I mean, we've got a head for radio for one. Yeah. Um, we all do. I love talking shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. And every day I get to, you know, I get to manipulate what I want to talk about over the radio. Yeah, I, I am enjoying my life. I mean, do I wish um, it could be better? I think everyone wishes their life could be a little bit better, but, you know, it's gonna, it'll come. It, time will come. I've had blessings this year. Like, I've got a COVID son on the way. Um, if COVID didn't come <laughs> along, you know, maybe maybe I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yes. Um, you know, I did lose my job, but I gained another job and I've made some amazing friends from this place yeah. um, at 98.9 and, and some great people. I'm excited to see what the next 10 years bring. Like I said, I mean, we're young, man. Yeah. We've we got a long way ahead. I mean, if I make it to 90, which I'm not sure of, I'll I, I live my life <laughs> to the extreme, but if I make 90, I've still got 60 years left in me. And that's just the way I like to see things. And, you know, what? before I just got out of the car here and before... Um, I was listening to Kanye West on the Joe Rogan podcast and I know everyone's going to he's crazy he is a little bit but one of the things that I think I can take away and probably will leave on this is you know he says I don't think I'm going to listen to you know older people anymore I think I'm going to listen to the kids because they're pure and they're not manipulated by life and what other people tell them and every time I talk to kids man they say things so pure you know I want to live my life pure yeah. I don't want to be fake. I just want to live a pure life, and you know I'm probably going to do a lot more podcasts after this, Sammy. But I, you know, I appreciate you letting me come on here today because I think I needed this as well to show everyone that I'm not just this, you know, fun guy. I've been through hell and back, and I, you know, I still got emotions as well, you know, to move forward. I, I think I needed to, to come here and, and talk about this. No, I appreciate it, mate. And and even saying that, I've known you for a long time now, and. No, there's, there's parts of your story that I've only just heard today yeah. for the first time and well, I appreciate that you feel comfortable enough to, to have this, this discussion well, thanks for having me on I mean if I had thought we'd be here when I first got in your Jeep back in 2009 and going, <laughs> we're going to get chocolates and Coca-Cola and uh, cigarettes I was like man this is the way we're living life bro it's not too bad <laughs> yeah ja to everybody <laughs> oh you and Hodge man I know, we we're bad human beings. We probably taught you all the wrong things back in those days, but... Um, no, all the right wrong things. I had to live those things to be able to be where I am today, so... Yeah. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jarrell, yeah, you, thank you very much, brother. Thanks for having me, bro.